The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and this is the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and with me today is my fabulous co-host... Jason Good. Yay, Jason. Yay. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I know that you get super, super busy in the world of rehab because... It's rehab. (laughs) Drug addiction is still a problem, and so... There are still people who come to you every single week, mm-hmm. um, if not every single day, and need help. So absolutely true. I'm just going to take the opportunity right now to thank you for what you do in rehab. Thank you, because it's pretty major. So I, uh, Steve, and I actually went recently to um, a premiere showing of the film Overdosed, and you may remember that we interviewed. Um, Jim Zweers, who's one of the producers of the film, and Mary Sue Connolly, who is the director of the film. It's it's a documentary about the opioid problem in West Virginia and how certain drug manufacturers and distributors like McKesson Mm -hmm. actually targeted West Virginia with probably 15 times the amount of opioids if every single person in the state took opioids, it was like 15 times the amount anybody could ever take. And it was a, it was a calculated, you know, target that McKesson to this day does not even, uh, you know, will not even take any responsibility for, even though they had to pay like $150 million. But um, it was good. There was a group of um, maybe 100 people there uh, watching the film. They are really trying to get the film out because they can't, just upload it to YouTube right. because they're still hitting um, film festivals. Right. Film festivals, and once they put it out on YouTube, film festivals won't take them anymore. So they're trying to hit various film festivals. They were at Sunscreen uh, West in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and so yeah. So there was a showing of about a hundred people, and the I got a little bit of feedback that I will play, and also had the opportunity to interview. One of the key people featured in the film, a young woman named Cammie. And Cammie was an addict and a dealer mm-hmm. and basically did it all and then got clean. And now she, what she's doing, there's no rehab facility in the area where she lives. She's right. in a little tiny part of West Virginia. There's no treatment there. So what she's doing, though, is working to get people into treatment. And, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And so I was able to interview her, which is kind of cool. So um, I'm going to play some of these interviews and some of the feedback that I got and play Cammie's interview, and then we'll talk after. Okay. All right, so I'm talking to Ron. Ron, thanks for sitting down with me. Okay, what, you're welcome. What did you think of the film Overdosed? What I liked about it is the fact that it brings to everybody's attention in a way that they can understand it, that there's a problem. But it's just a small part of the problem because the problem is nationwide. Yes. Were you surprised to find a lot of the statistics and the figures about specifically West Virginia being targeted? No, I wasn't uh, because I traveled a lot for for about 14 years, actually. I've been all over the country and I've been in West Virginia. Okay. And I know that they have a lot of uh, natural resources. It's a beautiful state. It's one, it is one of the most beautiful states in the, in the country. And they have a lot of natural resources. And those resources can be targeted. And I think that the drugs and drugging small counties and so forth, I would be interested to find out 
how much of the coal industry is tied in there. Okay, interesting. Because yep. you can get rid of the people with the drugs, and then you can take over the properties, just like they tried to do here in Clearwater. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming tonight, and thank you for talking to us. So thank you, Mona, for talking to the podcast tonight. And you saw the movie Overdosed. Tell me your impression. Oh, my gosh. It was completely shocking to me. Um, You know, I have to say, I grew up in Iowa. Okay. And fairly recently, um, a friend of mine's younger brother just suddenly died. And I I saw this post on Facebook that this guy had died. And I said, and I contacted one of my old friends from Iowa. And I said, how did he die? And and, uh, he said that he had died of opium, an opium overdose and I was shocked in the middle of Iowa where I grew up that this was a thing right and but to be honest with you I'm not surrounded by drugs I'm not in a community where there's frequent use of drugs so um, I think seeing this movie tonight and seeing how hard it it's hit just rural communities and how this isn't you know you, you tend to think of drug addiction is something that happens in the bigger cities you know you have all kinds of ideas of how this happens and and to me, what's shocking is not just the rampant addiction of opiates, but how this is actually put there by big pharma and by doctors. Yep. And it's it's a little bit, I think I've, as I watched it, I went, gee, you know, this is a problem that starts with education. You know, it does start with, like, letting people really see that the, how widespread the problem is and how deeply it's run. Exactly. And unfortunately, I, I think the biggest obstacle is that these solutions aren't always great solutions and that some of the people responsible for this yep. and who are, quote-unquote, trying to fix the problem are just basically giving these um, addicts other drugs or... It's just it's just completely crazy, and it's yep. really corrupt. Yep. And um, anyways, I just want to recommend that everyone see this film, promote this film to medical doctors or whoever they know that has any kind of influence at all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mona. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for talking to us. Okay, thanks. Take care. So, Cindy, thank you for talking to me tonight. What did you think of the film Overdosed? Well, I thought it was a really remarkable film. I thought it was remarkable in the sense that the subject matter could, like, you know, just so depress you and bring you to tears and make you feel like, you know, nothing. And But there's something remarkable about it. It was like, you know, you looked at it, it was like, it, it said, this is the situation, this is where it's at, this is how it is, and take a look at it, and then, okay, now what are we going to do about it? And it just kind of left you with that, you know, number one, I'm such an idiot that I didn't know anything about this, you know, could possibly be going on. You're not alone, let me tell you. <laughs> You're not alone. But on the other hand, it's like, okay... It, it left you with a feeling like, okay, this is it. Now, where do we go from here? Yep. And, and I think that that was like what was so magical about this movie. It didn't just leave you like a puddle on the ground like, Bleh, It's all you know? death, doom, and destruction. No, you're exactly yeah. right. Because so, the people involved in it are moving forward and doing something about it. Yeah. 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 Did it surprise yeah. you? The totally. fact that uh, drug companies targeted West Virginia with opiates? Yes. I mean, it's like... Like West Virginia, it's like, you know, I know that West Virginia has this, all this beautiful country. It's like, yeah. I, you know, you know, and, and throughout the movie, you know, I'm seeing like that beautiful mountain in the background yep. and, you know. With the mist coming down. Oh, and it's everything. gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it actually, um, I, I find it unethical to the unspeakable degree that anybody would do that. It's yep. like, 
and and they're the fifth largest company and I, I had no idea yep. that they're that big you know it's so amazing I, it's amazing and the people who found those countries get rich and like yeah. and like she said you know they they're philanthropists and they build art museums and they do all of this incredible philanthropy but what they don't do is take responsibility for the drug problem that their companies create it's uh, it's unbelievable yeah unbelievable. yeah that is unbelievable and the thing that i thought was really totally unbelievable was this doctor not only does he create this problem like he's like anyway he creates this problem i'll spare my He's a scumbag. Yeah, I'm just going to call it like it is. There you go. Yeah, it's really, really criminal. And then, but the thing that really, like, I couldn't believe, and I still don't believe it, is that the the state of West Virginia, he he was in jail, and and now he's working for them, and he's he's promoting more drugs as a like yep. like where is logic? Now he's, now he's paid by the state. Yeah, well, it's like, we, like excuse we me. We heard <laughs> after the fact some things that couldn't be put in the film about some of the corruption in government, and you know that's what happens. And yeah, well, it really points to that because nobody in their right mind would do that. Right. And and even the things that he was saying in in those little film clips out of his own mouth. Yes. It's like, can you believe he's saying that kind of stuff? It's like, it's crazy. Yep. yep. Well, thank you for talking for me tonight. Thank so, you for having and me. And thank you for coming. Those were some of the audience members that watched the screening of the film. I was able to interview Cami, who is one of the main characters in the film. Cami has her own history of drug abuse, drug dealing, and has now turned the corner and is helping others. I was extremely excited to interview her, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Cammy. Hi. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to interview you. Um, your involvement and your story in the film, just riveting Thank with you. everything you have to say. I We have interviewed a lot of recovered addicts on this podcast, but... You take recovery and responsibility, in my personal view, to a whole new level. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 I just <laughs> I have to say that. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> I, I have to say that. So tell me, how did you get involved with drugs in the first place? Um, well, honestly, I, I was never into drugs. I did drink. I can't say that I was totally innocent. But when I was in a car accident, I ended up going to Dr. Massey afterwards, and I ended up a drug addict like he was just he was one of those doctors who made his salary by giving out scripts and I mean he had a huge family to support so the more he gave out the more people he brought in and within time you know even though I was actually using my scripts right because I was a child basically I was not even 18 years old so I followed the directions on the label and I just had too many, you know. And what did he, he prescribe for you? What did he prescribe? Oh, wow. The very first thing that I was given was uh, Demerol and then oxycodone, hydrocodone, um, uh, lorazepam. There were so many. Oh, and, my gosh. And were these all, like, at the same time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I would come in 
afterwards, you know, we would go through this process where I was just the innocent kid that didn't understand the drugs, and then I would come in after I had gotten more into the swing of things, and, and I was using these pills more and more and more, and people were coming to me begging for these pills, and I would just tell him what I needed. I remember times going in with a, a list of things that I had written down that I would need before I got there, and I didn't actually have appointments with him since my mom was the receptionist. Oh. I would just slide him the, the note and be like, here's what I need. And he would slide me everything back. And wow. I mean, he would joke with me about like wanting to do electric shock therapy on me. And he, he did experiment on me. He did a lot of different things. Like he wanted to um, take, he didn't have any really qualified nurses in the facility. So they would always want to take my blood and check things and you know, experiment, play doctor. And when they couldn't get my veins, he would take it from my main artery like in my thigh and and do these procedures on me and he hooked me up with a pick line that that stayed open in my arm and for drugs yeah 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 I we did a lot of I mean it was just back then I was young I was stupid and whatever he said to me made sense because like, he was a medical doctor. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and because he was therefore smart. And he was a family friend, you know. My mom worked there. Uh, I felt like he was taking care of me. He joked with me like we were friends. He came in at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning to uh, fix my broken arm after I'd punched a guy in the face. And okay. Yeah, like just things like that. So somebody you would trust. He was Absolutely. definitely somebody you would we trust. We got baptized together because after he got busted... He thought, I guess, having me on his side would make him look good in court. Well, I was, you know, the sheep just following the flock. And we went to church together. We got baptized together. But then he just tried to use that in court to say, well, this girl just is like one of my best friends. And she thinks that I did nothing wrong when it, he did and so therefore, much wrong. And he just, he just folded on me just like that. Like, just like completely used me and wanted me to just testify to try to get him out of trouble because... And he knew that, you know, I was going to be, I didn't know this at the time, but he knew that he was going to be charged for me because that he was treating me and I was underage. So he was trying to get you on his side so that you wouldn't then testify against him. Exactly. Which I never had to testify against him anyways because of my age. The state did everything and the DEA did it all. So he just absolutely despised me because that he caught a charge over me. But then, little does he know, you know, while he's enjoying his time in his wonderful protective custody cell, writing his book and, and working out and, and acting like it was a vacation almost, I'm back here fighting the forces. You know, I'm sick. I'm extremely sick. I had no idea what was happening to me because when I am start coming off these pills, I'm, I'm lost. Right. And at this point in time, there was no heroin. There were some pills floating the street, not enough. I turned to cocaine and meth. Okay. And I didn't know what else to do because, you know, I was just fighting that, fighting that urge. Well, I ended up falling absolutely in love with methamphetamine. Okay. That was something that just became my thing. So I realized, you know, I couldn't really keep up with my own habit. And people still wanted the pills so bad. They wanted that opioid filling. Right. And I have family that lives in Baltimore. I know the area. I know enough about it. So I went and I just went up on the street. The first street I saw, a little 
18, 19 year old white girl walks up on these streets all the time and, and gets drugs, just gets dope, like nothing. Wow. And I never was scared at that point in time. Like right. I, I never had fear, literally none. And I saw somebody get shot in the stomach. I saw a little girl get shot in the 7-Eleven in an armed robbery. Wow. All of this just in, you know, just coming down there to re-up on drugs. Wow. Nah. Just a reminder that you are listening to the addiction podcast, Point of No Return. For further information on the podcast, you can visit us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page by the same name. If you'd like further information on Narcan on Suncoast, the number is 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. We also have an email address now, which is the acronym for the addiction podcast, Point of No Return. So it's T like Tom, A like Apple, P like Peter, P like Peter, O like Oscar, N like Nancy, R like Robert, T-A-P-P-O-N-R-2017 at gmail.com. Reach out to us if you have feedback or if you have a story to tell. It just, now it's it's unbelievable that I did those things. And How old were you when you were doing that? Uh, when I first started, it was when he got charged and I was like right around 18 years old. Okay. So... I started, you know, really getting into the drugs and stuff, 16, 17, when he was still practicing. Right. But then it got really, really serious when he went away. And um, I could not afford my meth habit. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, would just go do whatever it took. Right. I I wouldn't even steal from somebody. I had integrity enough to not do that. Okay. So I would go get drugs and, and I would cut down the caps they would either give me bags or caps of heroin and I would cut it down into a lot smaller quantities and I would sell it for a lot more because these people were so, so sick that they were willing to pay whatever price. And yeah, Yeah. that kind of just became the new normal. That became the new, the new way to justify what you'd pay for your heroin. And it just went, it just went and went and went. And, And I really didn't use it much until meth started getting limited. And that was, years wow. that was a few years later yeah um the same dea agent that took down raj <laughs> was actually starting to to chase me oh okay. yeah and uh now it's funny because he'll see me and we'll laugh and we'll joke oh. about it because he, he never <laughs> got me yet but he was close but um i i was you know selling these drugs with somebody that he was chasing too and, and he got them Okay. So, I just, I don't know. The, I decided just to go to the, I had to go to the heroin then. The yeah. the meth was gone, and that's what I was using most right. with this person that he got. Right. So, when he got him and, you know, put him in jail and then deported him, I was done. Like, there was no good meth. People were making the shake and bake, and, and the chemical was so bad. People were getting their faces blown off because oh, they wanted God. the meth that bad that oh they tried God. to make it themselves, oh, and I just wasn't willing so I went to the heroin and, and then I overdosed oh my goodness December 10th of 2010 I overdosed and I was alone which was a bad place to be in anyways and then I don't know like I don't know how I came back like I definitely overdosed two days later when I come to I can't hardly see right I have this horrible 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 ringing in my ear 
and I eventually can get myself together and I go to the hospital and they start treating me for overdose. They go ahead and run blood panels on me and it comes back, you know, I've got permanent ear damage now and I will always have that that limited hearing and the ringing and I've wow. had it now for eight years. Wow. And the most interesting thing that came back in it was that there was not only fentanyl in the heroin, but there was dried kerosene, which oh to me said that the person who gave that to me, which was a friend, had tried to kill me. Wow. And that was just my realization that the person that I thought was my friend, you know, that gave me this drug, very likely did it on purpose. They wow. very likely intentionally did that. And that kind of... That did me in. Wow. So you overdosed and eventually went to the hospital. Now, did you get clean after that? or I, After that, I used Suboxone for a little bit just because I was very, very sick. Right. You know, I used it for, but not very long because my actual official clean date, I overdosed on December 10th, 2018, and my actual official clean date is January 1st, 2011. Wow. Yeah. So I just celebrated. Wait a second. Say again, you overdosed in 2010. Yes. December okay. 10th, 2010. Okay, I thought and you then, said 2018. No, went, oh, no, no. Okay. 2010. And <laughs> okay. then January 1st, 2011. That's when you stopped taking the Suboxone. That's when I stopped everything. Yeah, like, I was mixed. I wasn't just on Suboxone. Like, after I overdosed, I smoked a little bit of crank. I was doing some Suboxone. Just, you know, feel better, whatever. And then I just, that realization. I was just like, I don't want this. I'm done. And wow. I, I just, I stopped. And that was... The only way you can describe those kind of withdrawals is hell, I think. I think yep. that's really the only way to describe that. Yeah. And I went through that for a while. I don't know. One day I just woke up and I was just better. I think it was probably a good three months, though, before I felt like me again. Wow. How did you get connected up with the film? How did you get connected up with Mary Sue in the film? Well, I've been doing uh, just recovery work for about five years now. It's closer to four and a half, almost five years. And... Uh, I've been, you know, putting people in, in facilities and just giving my own money to try to get people in and, and driving them wherever they need to go, sending them from across the country to get into facilities, anybody that reaches out to me. So when Mary started in our state, she reached out to me and she asked me if I would be willing to talk about Dr. Massey because... I honestly couldn't tell you who told her about me first. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I know that any time that Dr. Massey is mentioned, it's kind of a thing yeah. in our community that they just know because me and him are just like friends with him. Yeah. yeah. Like now everybody kind of knows there's that issue there. Right. There's that fight. And right. and we fight it out. We yep. fight it out all the time. It's just like that unsaid thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, very well done to you doing the film, working on the film. And so you run up against Raj on a regular basis, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah. We have, like, meetings in town and stuff for all the local recovery coordinators and all the local recovery coaches. And when people get together, we try to plan together. So it's not just one facility. It's like a bunch of different people get together and we do this. And he's there. And, and when I'm there, it's just, like, he gives me that look. He doesn't want to talk. Just, it's just awkward and he knows you know well it doesn't sound like he's ever taken responsibility he for won't. his part in this he won't he will never take responsibility like there's no way you're going to get that out of him and you know 
how's it fair that somebody who doesn't have a medical license is practicing medicine? Yeah, that's a little shady. Mm. Yeah. That's a little shady. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for coming tonight, being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for talking on the podcast. I, I, like I say, uh, you're, you're going a step beyond what I think a lot of people do. And not only have you taken responsibility for yourself, but you're also helping to take responsibility for others. That's very well done to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. So Jason, you actually, Cammie actually came and visited Narconon, right? Yeah, she actually came and visited Narconon. And it was interesting because... You know, she does come from a tiny town in West Virginia and in West Virginia, there really is not much there in regards, you know, to treatment. There's 12 step meetings and, you know, that all there, but that's all people know. And it's interesting when she came and saw Narconon, I started describing to her, like the modality we use and the theories we operate off of and, you know, how we get a person, you know, through the program and drug free. Her jaw was kind of on the floor just to that there was something that workable that was almost like the complete opposite of everything else that's you know, in West Virginia. And it's, it's, it's funny because and I was telling her this as we're walking through the facility. It's like, I don't think the public pays enough attention to seriously how bad the problem is in West Virginia, because it's one of the smallest States in the country. And it's like not much attention is being given to what's going on there, but it's like, it's insane. And, and, and she was giving me some of the, the data about what's going on there just with, you know, local political officials, you know, the, the drug companies and everything. It's just like, I, it, it sounds like, it sounds like a joke. I didn't, it, and not like a joke, like it's funny, but a joke, like that can't be real. Yep. Are you serious? Like it's actually like that. And it's actually, it's completely wild. And so, you know, showing her through the facility, she's like, you know, this is something I really think people in my area could use um, as, you know, a solution to what they're dealing with. And I'm like, thank you. You know, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together. We had lunch together. It was kind of a group of us that were going around. And it was just, like, really nice to see a person's reaction. Literally never heard of Narcon ever. Right. And get, like, the full kind of explanation of what it is and to be that impressed by it. And to see it, like, in real life as as you're giving a tour. I mean, there are students going around doing parts of their program. And you see it actually in motion. Right. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. It was a very, very good feedback that I got from her. We are going to stay in touch. She does do interventions too. Okay. Um, and she's a female interventionist, which is something I don't have. And so it'd be really, really cool to work with her. That's awesome. What uh, kind of feedback did you get from Mary Sue? Mary Sue thought it was a beautiful facility. She also thought a very similar thing um, to what... Cammy. 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 Yeah, X that out. Um, she says something very similar to what Cammy said. It was just like it, it's a whole other philosophy that's just not known about as widely as some other things. And it's interesting because, like I've said before, when I was going through AA and twelve step, that's all you know about in that moment because you're told this is how you get sober, this is how you do it. And when it doesn't work for you over and over again, you start to get this like feeling that you're never going to be able to be helped. And so. You know, until you find out that there is something else. And, and that's how I felt when I actually found out about Narconon. And that's what Mary Sue and Cammie both kind of experienced, too. It's like you have this whole other thing out there. Um, and so she was glad to know about it. And she's super nice. And she loved just each and every part of the facility. And it was, it was just it was a really, 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 really nice, you know, hour and a half that I spent with them. That's awesome. Did yeah. her daughter come, too? Yes, her daughter came. And it was funny. It was another staff member's daughter of the same similar age was also there. So they were, like, off playing with each other. And it was really cute. I'm afraid I'm going to butcher her name. is Maveen. Maveen, yeah. Maveen. Uh-huh. I got to meet her last night. And I was trying to, 
um, get her to remember, you know, kids, it's hard. They meet so many people. But I was trying to get her to remember that I recorded um, an extra part of the interview with Mary Sue after I'd watched the film. And her daughter was there and she said, but she knows she has to be super quiet Mm -hmm. while we do this. And so then when we were all done, I was talking to her over Skype. So it was fun to meet her last night Mm -hmm. with a pretty little girl, a lovely little girl. Anyway, um, really well done film. You know, it's, I've seen a lot of kind of independent films and it's really well done. The music is really well done. Um, You know, I think they're still massaging a few things about it, but I think overall it's really well done and it really, brings to a you know brings to view this whole thing in West Virginia and a lot of the people that watched it last night had no idea and yeah. were shocked at the whole story so that's what needs to happen because more and more people need to be made aware of it yeah, absolutely and so you and I will do this again next week because this is what we do so everybody have a good week and you have a good week and, and we'll talk up. again all right You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.